When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Reality Radio for a really great future. We're talking real money. Welcome to another Talking Real Money podcast. Hi, I'm Don McDonald, and uh, we we were supposed to have the weekend show edited into a podcast, and indeed, it was edited into a podcast. But we had so many technical problems with the show on Saturday that it's practically unlistenable. Now, we'll continue to maybe work on it or edit it down to something shorter, but I felt you deserved another podcast this week. So we're doing a special edition that is not the Saturday show. That's this one. So I apologize. Try and get it later. We will be doing a live show on Saturday, February 1st, if you'd like to call us. You can even listen live on, you know, like some of the uh, the radio services online. Just look for Como Radio, K-O-M-O. Uh, you can also call us live during the show tomorrow at 855-935-TALK. We start the show off at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific time, and go for a couple hours. So feel free to call us there at 855-935-TALK or call us here at 855-935-8255. Here you can call us 24 hours a day, anytime, and leave your question. So please do it, all right? You can also send your questions in via the Talking Real Money website. Just go to contact and send it in that way. Today, before I get to the questions, I wanted to spend just a little bit more time on a topic I discussed on Wednesday's podcast entitled Fee-Only Advisors Not Helping Small Investors. It was about an article, and the premise of the article was that Certain types of advisors are better than other types. And a guy who had been a commission salesman became a fee-only advisor with a company that charges based on the amount of assets under management, a percentage on that. And then he went to work for a, an hourly advisory firm. And of course, whichever one you work for, you're going to tend to think that's probably the better one. That's human nature. I try to look at all of the good points and the bad points of all of them. Now, I am not a fan of the commission-based commission based compensation art, uh, 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 system because it really is the one that encourages bad behavior and discourages full transparency. To find out what you're being charged can be almost impossible, particularly with insurance products where they get a big commission, but it's not disclosed in any of the disclosure documents. And there's also this thing called churnum and burnum. I mean, I used to have a manager when I was with Dean Witter who would run up and down the aisle screaming, churnum, burnum, except a lot louder than that. And the idea was find something to sell in their portfolio to get a commission, find something else to sell them to replace it to get a commission and keep churning and burning till they run out of money and then go on to the next person. 
The article that I discussed on Wednesday was critical of the AUM model, saying that it encourages advisors to just gather up assets and not do much of anything to get their fee. And while, yeah, that's true, some advisors do that. And that's reasonably bad, too. And he also discussed the fact that small investors don't get a lot of help. But everything can be abused. He went into a advi an advisory firm where they charged by the hour. By the hour. Does that system sound familiar to you? Yeah, that's how lawyers charge. They charge by the billable hour. Is there any incentive to abuse that system? Yeah, there is. As a matter of fact, I, I was never a lawyer, but once upon a time, before I was a stockbroker, I worked for a car dealership and I was a service advisor. And our mechanics were paid by the job. The company would say it generally takes X number of hours to do this job. And so you're going to get paid based on the job because some mechanics would take longer than others, and and so they just wanted some consistency. It sounded good, but can it be abused? Of course it can be abused. And our mechanics found out how to do it. What they figured out how to do was they found things where they could skimp a little bit, not do the whole job, but nobody would notice. And we had mechanics, a 60,000-mile maintenance on a Subaru was billed at about eight hours and back then this was in the 80s it was a six or seven hundred dollar job even then with all this the materials and we had mechanics a couple of them who could get four or five maintenances in per day they were rolling in the dough and there is no disincentive for management because management now has one mechanic who would normally bill gross about $600 a day, and he's now grossing $2,400 a day, a big chunk of which goes to the dealership. Well, are they going to complain? Heck no. I was doing some research online, and there was one partner. This is from Justia.com. There was a partner in a Chicago law firm who billed on average – 5,941 billable hours per year, four years in a row. How many hours are in a year? Every minute, including the sleeping part. 8,760 hours. So he was billing an average of 16 hours a day, every day, including Saturdays and Sundays, for an entire year, never took a break, hardly slept, apparently. He claimed to work 16 hours, and those are billable hours, by the way, every day. So there are every system of compensation, every system can be abused. And that's why it's important not only to find somebody who charges what you believe to be a fair price, but who fully discloses that fair price and who seems to always be acting in your best interest. So I'll give you an example. Let's talk about an AUM-based advisory firm. If your AUM-based advisor is telling you to bring everything over, you know, mortgage your house, 
Give us some more money. Bring over your 401k. Get it out of that, even though you have great funds. Let's say you have like a bunch of Vanguard funds. And they're really reasonable. And they say, bring your 401k over to us. Or, or you have the TS, the government TSP. Bring that thing over to us. A good advisor will say, no, 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 no. We can work with that and not charge you. And then we'll build these other assets all around the perimeter to support that primary investment. If they're telling you to liquidate everything and bring it over, well, they're abusing that. But an hour padding advisor can tell you that they can they spend eight hours doing something that may only take another advisor two or three hours. So everything can be abused, and that's why it behooves you to you know trust people, but check them out, ask questions, pay attention. Transparency is critical. Are they doing a lot of other things for you? Are they earning their keep? That's the question you need to ask. And if you have any questions you need to ask us, just call 855-935-TALK, 855-935-8255, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And we'll answer them somewhere, either on the show or live, or either on the podcast or on the show on the weekends, Saturdays. And speaking of calls, let's go get one. Hi, Tom and Don. Thank you for answering my question uh, regarding diversification in different retirement buckets. Uh, my wife and I are planning to max out our Roth IRA this year um, just for um, diversification and then also uh, fees and selections at our current employers are pretty slim and expenses are high. My question is, if we already have the total um, stock market, international, and bond indices with the employment, and we want to diversify in a Roth IRA, do we just then invest in those other assets like REITs, small cap values, uh, large cap value in the Roth IRA, or do we still continue um, adding the other three indices in the Roth? I appreciate your time and looking forward to your response. Have a good day. I love hearing from savers, from investors. And you sound like you're pretty good at what you do. You're reasonably well-informed. Good job on maxing things out. It sounds like you actually have some pretty good funds in your 401k if you can use Vanguard. And I assume that's what those were, the total U.S., international, or unless there's some generic version, which is still okay as long as the fees are reasonable. And they're what you get. If you get a match, you got to take it. I love your idea, though, and I think it's uh, sound for anybody. If you if you have the inclination to want to build a diversified, a more diversified portfolio, yeah, we believe that's better for you to get into small cap, to get into value, to get into emerging markets. And to do that in your Roth, since they're not available in your IRA, perfect idea. Oh, and real estate. The other reason it's it's a good idea is the uh, for real estate particularly is because you need to buy real estate in a tax deferred or tax free even better product so your idea is a very very good one i heartily endorse it but remember the most important thing rebalance at least once a year do it religiously and with a disciplined approach don't make it a guessing game but yeah good job keep up the good work you can call in your questions, 855-935-TALK, or you can write them in by going to TalkingRealMoney.com and click on the contact button. And we're going to do one of those questions before we end the week. Let's see. This is uh, 
A question about bond versus equity split when you have pension income. The question, I'm currently nine years from planned retirement. Being an engineer, I've got my spreadsheet set up to project my estimated income at retirement. Yes, it accounts for inflation. I would think nothing less of a good engineer. That was my comment. Based on my estimate slash plan, approximately two-thirds of my retirement income will be from government pensions, military, state, Social Security times two. The rest will come from retirement accounts. Given this, do I really need to be in bonds as part of our other retirement income? Thanks, Brian. P.S. My wife and I are signed up to attend Retiremeet in Bellevue. Awesome. I look forward to seeing you there. Well, Brian, you... And this is a very common misconception about bonds. Way too common. I even fell for this many years ago. You shouldn't look at bonds as an income generator. Yes, they do generate income, but that's not their purpose in your portfolio. So to say that they could replace or that an income generating vehicle can replace them is not in the spirit of the concept. The reason we suggest bonds in your portfolio, wherever that portfolio might be, is not to add to your income. As a matter of fact, we think you can take income from stocks. We're fine with that. But we have to talk about risk. Volatility, really, because if you're diversified, you don't have risk. Risk means you could lose it all. You can't lose it all unless the world ends and then you won't care. What we're worried about is volatility and your reaction to that volatility. And the thing we're trying to get investors to do is to think of their portfolio as one organism, not as the stock market and the bond market, but as one thing. That one thing, if it's all stocks, can be extraordinarily volatile. Whereas if you have some bonds in there, that reduces the overall portfolio volatility. Bonds don't pay enough to really be considered part of your income anyway. They give you a couple of percentage points. I would not expect much in the way of returns above that in the near future, but who knows, or in the long future even. They're there to reduce volatility. That is their primary purpose. So no, I don't think you should replace your bonds with that pension income and social security income. However, if you are an aggressive investor and don't mind volatility and you've taken the risk quiz and you know your number, well, you if, you, if your risk tolerance allows, be as aggressive as you can be because we believe long-term that's going to be better for you, but it can scare you in the near term. Thanks so much for your question. Thanks for coming to Retire Meet. We hope you guys will join us if you're in the Seattle area at Retire Meet 2020 on 222 in Bellevue. Oh, that rhymes really nicely, doesn't it? And um, tickets are on sale right now at retiremeet.com. So thanks for being a part of the podcast. I appreciate you telling friends, family, people you bump into. If you haven't yet, go subscribe to the podcast through your favorite service or heart it on Spotify. Subscribe through Apple Podcasts. Make sure you get it all the time. And thanks for listening. I'm Don McDonald. Talking real money. We hope you realize.
realize that the information provided on Talking Real Money is for educational and hopefully enjoyable purposes only. Providing personalized financial planning or investing advice takes time, so please consult with a really good fee-only fiduciary investment, tax, or legal advisor. We know a good one. Investing must always involve risk. In other words, you can and probably will lose money at times. Also, as much as you want it, no one can accurately, consistently predict the future. So, past performance doesn't tell you a darn thing about what the future will bring. Unlike many other programs that say something similar, Talking Real Money is not trying to get you to buy or sell any financial products or securities. Instead, the program is provided as a public service by Vestry, a family registered investment advisor. Thanks for listening and please visit TalkingRealMoney.com for more information and disclosures. That should keep the lawyers happy.